And in this series of Through the Bible Characters, we're going to study tonight the life of a man named Daniel. And Daniel is very important in the Bible, in the Old Testament specifically, because Daniel is one of the major prophets of Scripture. And not only does Daniel tell us a lot of prophecy, or God uses him as a prophet of his day, and we see a lot of prophecy that he talks about, the uh, end time prophecy, and you, it matches that when you're reading the book of Daniel, it's like you're reading some of the parts of the book of Revelation. And they, they correlate, they go in hand and coincide so beautifully. And you know that God's Word always stands on a different part of God's Word. It never stands on just one verse. It all is tied together. And we learn that even through the book of Daniel. But tonight, we're not going to solely go on the prophetic piece of Daniel. We're going to go more on the character piece of Daniel. Because we want to learn about his life. We want to learn about his ministry. And, and the name of Daniel, if you like taking notes tonight, his name means God is my judge. God is my judge. Well, what a name. What a strong name. God is my judge. One of the main things that you learn in the book of Daniel as you read it, if you read the entire book of Daniel, you'll learn that Daniel was a man that was living through the captivity of now the nation of Israel. A few months ago, we went through the captivity of the nation of Israel, how they were captive for 70 years. Now Daniel, through his teen years, early teen years and late 80s was a part of the 70 year captivity. He was a part of it the entire phase of it. And we see that God gives them prophetic words. So he was one of the Jewish people that were taken captive into Babylon now. And we're going to find out what happens when he is now in captivity. He teaches us something so important, Daniel. He teaches us what it means to live a godly life in a pagan world. What does it mean to live a godly life in a pagan world? And that's so important. Because today we can live a godly life in a pagan world. We can live a godly life in events like Light the Night where people are celebrating and the fundamentals of, of what they celebrate in Halloween are, are, are really dark and really evil with, with really dark meanings behind it. We can go in and be a light and live a godly life in a pagan world. That's exactly what Daniel does. And we see that God takes them through different seasons, through different kings, through different rulers. But it's because God is carrying him through every season. I want you to know, maybe you're in a season right now that you don't know why God has you in this season. God carries you in every season in life. He carries you from one season to another. He is carrying Daniel through these seasons in his life. And in every moment, in every scene, at every time where we see Daniel come up in this book, you see that the Lord is carrying him to the next season that he has him. That is so comforting. I don't know about you, but that comforts me when I know that God is carrying me to the next season where he wants me to be in. And specifically, three things that we're going to learn from Daniel is his character. Number one... His courage, he was a man of courage, number two. But number three, he was a man of convictions. And those three have to be so important in your life. I pray that today you have some godly character, you have some godly courage, and you have some godly convictions. 
know what godly convictions are? Is that you don't water down your character and that you don't water down your courage when it comes to living a godly life. If you want to ever make a difference, you need courage, you need character, and you need some convictions, some strong convictions that I'm not just going to fall for anything. In fact, I'm going to stand up for some things that other people will not like, but those are my convictions. How do your convictions look today? That's what it means, convictions, something that I stand for. A lot of times we think, what is a conviction? It's something you stand for. A conviction, what is character? It's who you are. It's beyond your personality. It's, what, it's your values, your cores, your morals. Though that is your character. What about your courage? How bold you are when it comes to standing up for your character. See, we need to be people of character, courage, and convictions. Because of that, we see in the book of Daniel, in his life, that God uses him because of his character, courage, and convictions. But one of the things we also know is that Daniel has a strong spiritual foundation. That's why God used them. Because even through captivity, even through captivity, God was using His life. And God can use your life even in this season. You would ask yourself, why? How is God going to use my life in this season? Even through captivity, God can use your life if you have a strong spiritual foundation. What does what a strong spiritual foundation look like now? It looks like a, a, a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. That is a strong spiritual foundation. Prayer, a life of prayer. Because Daniel didn't compromise in his biblical values. He, he did not get sidetracked with what his purpose of life was. He didn't get distracted in what his purpose of life was just because he was in captivity. Daniel didn't change because of outside influences. This was a man that was living in Babylon, but he knows I'm not from Babylon. You might be in that dark place at work, but you're not from that dark place at work. <laughs> you might be in that dark season in life. You might be looking around in, the, in our world and you would think, you know what, I'm living in a Babylon today, but you're not from Babylon. You are not from Babylon. You're in Babylon, but you're not of Babylon. And one of the, the beautiful things that we see in the book of Daniel is that he is so good, Daniel, as making the right decisions. See, all of us make hundreds of decisions every day. The moment you wake up, you make a decision. But he made the right decisions because of his character, courage, and convictions. He was an example of what a Romans 12 man looks like. And for you ladies, the Romans 12 women are needed. What is it? The renewing of the mind. That I know in my mind, I've renewed my mind and I make decisions based off godly character, godly courage, and godly convictions. That's how I make my, my decisions. I want to ask you, how do you make the decisions that you make in life? What are they based off of? What are the foundations of the decisions that you're making? Because Daniel makes a decision, number one, not to defile himself. He makes a decision, number two, to give God the glory. And he makes a decision, number three, to commit his life to prayer. Can we make those three decisions today? Can we as a church say those of Wednesday night that have come tonight are making a decision, number one, not to defile themselves. We don't want to defile ourselves, number one. Number two, we've made a decision to give God the glory. And number three, we've made a decision to commit our life to prayer. What would happen if you, did the, you made those three decisions today? Just three decisions. I don't know, and I hope that you remember these or that you write these down. A decision not to defile yourself. A decision to give God the glory. 
and a decision to commit your life to prayer. Now Daniel chapter 1, let's read and be introduced to the life of a young man, a young teenager named Daniel who made the decision, the number one decision to not defile himself. That's the first decision we're going to see. That's the decision that we're going to commit ourselves to today by the renewing of the mind. Daniel chapter 1, let's go to verse 3. And the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Now here is the king now, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, telling his advisor, one of his assistants, to bring some of the men of Judah, young men, verse 4, in whom there was no blemish. We want to bring young men who there is no blemish, but good-looking men, he's saying, gifted in all wisdom and possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom the, the, they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, their food, of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief priest of the eunuchs gave names, and he gave Daniel, he's given them now Babylonian names. Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, and to Mishael, to Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We ask, sir, that you would show us from the life of Daniel, Lord, what you would want from us and for us, God, that we would make a number one decision not to defile ourselves. Our lives are filled with decisions, Lord. Our day is filled with decision, God. But I pray that today we would make decisions based off of godly character, based off of godly convictions, and based off of godly courage, Lord. And that we would start with not defiling ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we said. It says in verse 3 and in verse 4 that the king is looking for men of the Jewish now people from the tribe of Judah here that were good-looking men, gifted in all wisdom. He wanted men that were sharp, that had no blemish, that were good-looking, that had some wisdom in them, that were quick to learn and understand, that they were, that were smart, that they had the ability to serve the king. And not only that, guess what they're going to do? They're going to bring him into this intensive three-year program to learn the language of Babylon or the Chaldeans. You think about it, they're going into the Jewish tribe now, uh, the, the tribe of Judah now. And they're saying we want to look for the best gifted, young, quick men that will understand, that will learn, that, 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 that give a good appeal. And when they're before the king, and we're going to put them through a very intensive now program so they can have an ability to serve and that they may teach the language, not only the language, but also the literature now of the Chaldeans. Not only do we want to indoctrinate them with our language, we also want to indoctrinate them with our teachings, our literature. Pay attention to what's happening here because this is so important now of what now Babylon is doing to the people of God or the nation of Judah, the, the, the nation of Israel, the tribe of Judah. 
And it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision. Now he's giving them food as well, the best food, delicacies now. Now if you were from the tribe of Judah and you're in captivity, you're very poor. And you want to eat something good. You don't want to be in captivity eating, eating food that, that is not appealing to you. In fact, the king is saying, Give them the best of my food the delicacies, and give them the best wine now in three years of training, so at the end of the time they might serve before the king. And then from verse 6 to verse 7, we learn that they went from their Hebrew names to their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, whose name was changed to Belshazzar. Now do you see that what's happening here from only in four verses? Now in four verses, you see exactly what's happening. That the enemy here has these men in captivity, just like the world wants to get us in captivity, right? And take us into bondage now, when God already has given us that freedom. And the enemy wants to do number one, let's teach him our language. Isn't that the, what the world wants to do through the music today, through TV, through the media, through the culture? through social media. We want to teach the church our language. We want to teach them our language. That's what the enemy wants you to teach the language. Let's indoctrinate them with our teachings, with our beliefs, with our values. So at the end of all, guess what they can do? They can serve us. You see, that's what the enemy wants to do today. To provide for us his delicacies. To give us a new name. To teach us his language, to indoctrinate us with the doctrine of the world, so at the end we can serve the enemy, so that we can serve Babylon. See, you can, you're either going to be serving Babylon, or you're going to be serving the Lord. And you're going to see here that Daniel said, I don't care if I live in Babylon, I'm not going to serve Babylon. Are you serving the world today? You know what the enemy wants to do? Number one, he wants to do the same thing he did to these men. He wants to go for your identity. He wants to change your name. I want to be, now my identity's changed. They change their names. So what? So they can appeal more to the world now. Let's give them something that appeals now to Babylon. Let's change their name to something that sounds now more apparent or, or it refers to us now. Let's give them an identity of the world, number one. Now let's feed him our delicacies. Let's feed him now what the world offers. He starts to feed them what the world he's offering the world now. And not only that, let's educate them in the ways of the world. Do you notice even as our children are going to school, isn't that the same thing that is taking place in the school system now, that they want to have them identify with how the world identifies? How they want to feed them what, what, what the world has to offer? How, how they want to indoctrinate and educate them with the ways of the world? These were teenage men. He was only 17, 18 years old, Daniel, at the time. And now the world is telling him, I want you to identify with us. I want you to, I, we want to educate you in our ways. We want to feed you what the world has to offer. This is exactly the same thing that the enemy is doing today. But verse 8 says this, something so beautiful. But Daniel, <laughs> I love this. This is what he's doing to a group, for all these men. In fact, there was more than just these men. But here we have highlighted only four men that we want to concentrate on in the book of Daniel. But it says, but Daniel, but, but Jose, but Albert, but Sam, but Noemi. You see, but Daniel, what did he do? 
He was in that environment where we want you to have our identity. We want to feed you the, the, what the world offers. We want you to educate you with the ways of this world. But Daniel, purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He says, I am not going to eat that. That sounds crazy to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. If somebody invites me to eat, and I see something out that's really good. There's, I mean, you know what's on me? And you're going to eat the best food you can possibly imagine. And they sit him down at the table. And Daniel said, you know what, guys? I'm not going to eat. Are you crazy? <laughs> are you kidding me? What do you mean you're not going to eat? Daniel, we're in captivity. Are you, are you, are you, you must be out of your mind. You know what we see here out of Daniel? We see his character. He says that he purposed in his heart. Now, what does this mean? He purposed in his heart. He placed a decision in his heart. You see, it wasn't a decision only in his mind. He was committed in his heart to make this decision. He didn't just say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to go and drink. I'm not going to go and, and party. I'm not going to go and do something that doesn't honor God. That, I'm, he didn't do it emotionally. He purposed in his heart. That is in my heart. I wrote that in my heart. That no matter what happens, I purpose in my heart not to defile myself. I have purpose in my heart and I've made up my mind. There's some of us here that have not made up our mind yet when it comes to the things of God. That we have not purpose in our hearts not to defile ourselves. The word defile is very important because it means that he didn't want to contaminate himself. He, want, he didn't want to corrupt himself. He didn't want to become a common or, or, or polluted or unholy with the things that the world was offering him. He didn't want to be influenced by the world. He wanted to influence his friends for godly purposes. Are you influencing your friends for godly purposes? Or are you influenced by the world? Now you would ask yourself, what's the big deal of him eating those foods? The big deal was the fact that these foods were offered to idols. And if they ate these foods and they performed at these peak levels for the king, they, they, these pagan gods would get the glory. And Daniel said, there's no way that I'm going to partake of that when that's offered to gods. And that is prohibited to my people to be able to do. There's no way. I know that. I'm made up my mind. But do you see what, what, what he's done here as he's made up his mind? He demonstrates this one little thing that we all need to demonstrate. We need to write it down in our Bibles. Self, here he goes. Self, we like to talk about self, but how about this? Self-control. Self-control. That's how self-control looks like. We sometimes, we, we want to, how does self-control look like? That's how self-control looks like. That I know it's available to me, but just because it's available doesn't mean that I'm going to partake. It was available for Daniel, but doesn't mean that he had to partake, that he had to participate, right? Why did he not want to do that? Because he didn't want to disobey the Lord. And he, he made up his mind. He said, I, I wrote it in my heart. I placed the decision on my heart that I will not do that. It was a decision that involved his mind and the decision that involved his heart. When you, when you want a purpose in your heart, you're going to make a decision that involves your mind and a decision that involves your heart. Because I want to honor God more than I want to honor the king. I want to honor God more than I want to honor Babylon. He wasn't a conformer. He was a transformer. Like in Romans chapter 12, where it says, I'm not going to conform myself. I'm going to transform myself by the renewing of my mind now and, and, and present my body a living sacrifice. 
You hear, you think about Daniel, he has a new name, he has a new home, he has new teachings, he has a new diet offered to him, but guess what he has that's the same, his heart. It was the same heart that was dedicated to the Lord. His outside circumstances didn't change, it didn't change him. Hey, we're so quick to be changed, we change so fast. You put him in a different, we put ourselves in different circumstances, we change. <laughs> but Daniel said, I'm not going to change because I've made up my mind, I purposed in my heart I purpose in my heart not to defile myself, not to corrupt myself. I don't want to contaminate myself. You know what you call that? Character. That's what character looks like as well. A life of self-control. Character. A life of self-control. That is character. How does your character look like today? Because I'll tell you, Daniel didn't, didn't say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to complain about where I'm at. He didn't complain. He said, Lord, right here where I'm at, Use me. He didn't complain about where he's at. He said, Lord, use me. But now, even in difficult places and situations, God shows him their favor. Let's read verse 9. Now God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief and the eunuchs. Even in difficult places, God can give you favor. Sometimes we think God can't give me favor because this is a very difficult place. God can still give you favor in that difficult place. And it says here, you brought him into goodwill, the chiefs and the eunuchs, and the chiefs of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who has appointed your, for your, uh, your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than young men who are your age, that you would endanger my head before the king? So now, this guy that's the leader, that's in charge of these men, that they're supposed to be eating this food, tells Daniel, Daniel, what do you mean you don't want to eat this food? And you see, you have, to, you have to respect Daniel because he went, he requested. He was so humble about it. He wasn't prideful. You don't have to be prideful to have convictions. You don't have to be cocky to have convictions. He said, you know what, I'm requesting and I'm respectfully declining that. I'm not going to eat it. And he's saying, if you don't eat it, they're going to they're gonna take my head off. And, and look what happens here. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please, please, verse 12, test your servants. For 10 days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink for 10 days. Just see, just test us for only 10 days. The first 10 days of the three years. And test us to see how we look at the end of 10 days. And you see what happens then. Let our uh, appearance be examined before you in the appearance of the young men who eat of the por portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit. So deal with your servants. After the day, see and compare us to see how we look to the ones that are actually partaking. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. God is giving him favor, even in allowing him to participate in this 10-day fast called of what we know is the Daniel fast, vegetables and water. He takes vegetables and water and for day, 10 days, guess what he's not feeding off of? He's not feeding off the king. Guess what he is feeding off of? He's feeding off the will of God. What are you feeding off today? Are you feeding off of Babylon or are you feeding off the house of God? Now look what it talks about here as we go on and we continue verse 15. And at the end of the 10 days, the features appeared better and fatter and flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine in which they were to drink and gave them vegetables. After 10 days, they looked better. Why? Because they were blessed because of their faithful obedience. 
It's amazing what fasting does when you're doing it in the will of God. When you're saying, I'm going to separate myself. I'm not going to participate in that because I want more of the will of God and less of the world in me. Fasting is saying, I don't want the world in me. I want more of the word in me. I'm going to fast because I don't want the world in me. I want less of the world in me. I want to detox myself from the world. That is fasting. But now he's blessed here because of this faithful obedience now. And for these young, four young men, God gave them knowledge. This is important that we know here. This is what God equips these men from. God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Daniel had interpretations of dreams. But look at what Daniel, he's such a leader. He's influencing his friends to stand for convictions as well. Do you have friends that do that with you? Or do all your friends, are they weak when it comes to spiritual fundamentals and a spiritual foundation? His friends were strong men that were saying, hey, let's fast together. Let's stand for this together. Let's not weaken our character, our convictions, and our courage. He was bold in what he asked. And at the end of the 10 days, there was the king. It says here, the king said that they should be brought in, and the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 18. Then the king interviewed them, and among them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. God gave them favor, and they were the ones that were elected to serve before the king. In the matters of wisdom and understanding above which the king examined them, he found ten, them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his, all his realm. They were more qualified than anyone else that was in that realm. Ten times better equipped to serve. You see, this is so amazing because we as Christians should do all we can to win the respect and the admiration even of non-Christians, but without compromising our convictions. You know how sometimes we want to win the admiration of non-believers? By compromising our convictions a little bit to win their admiration. Daniel said, I don't have to compromise my convictions. I don't have to compromise my character in order to win the admiration of these non-believers which are my leaders at the time. You see, he didn't fall for compromise. Instead, he stood for convictions. And today you're either going to fall for some type of compromise or you're going to stand for some type of conviction that God has placed in your life. And he made a decision, number one, to not defile himself. And the Lord blessed that decision. But number two, he also made a decision to give God the glory. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2, where he made a decision to give glory to God when it came to his life. Now you have to realize that at this point, Daniel was not only ten times better, he was an interpreter of visions and dreams. There was no magician, astrologer, anyone in the Babylonian Empire that was in anywhere getting close to being able to serve the king the way they did. But in, in chapter 2, it says that now Daniel continued into the first year of King Cyrus, which was the successor of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and when he came and, and, and as he was serving here, it said that the king now had a dream. And this king went and he told all the magicians and astrologers, uh, you know what, I want you guys to be able to tell me the interpretation of this dream. And they went up to him, they told the king, all right, tell us what the dream is and we'll tell you the interpretation. And he was so anxious, the king, to be able to find out the interpretation of the dream. And he says, no, wait a minute, I want you to tell me my dream first. And I also want you to tell me my interpretation. He, he, made it, he wanted to make sure that they knew what they were talking about. And he said, there's no way, there's no one that can answer that king, nobody in all of your empire. 
So he said, okay, if no one can answer, then you guys are all going to die. <laughs> so he sets out to kill all the magicians and astrologers and everyone, including Daniel, is included in that list. But let's read chapter 2, verse 12, because it happens that Daniel found, finds out about this order, and it says, Daniel 2, verse 12, when he makes a decision to give glory to God, it says, For this reason the king was angry and very furious, and he gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. <laughs> Notice that Daniel is one of the wise men because he's an interpreter of visions and dreams. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Now he was about to get killed. He's, he's, they're, they're, they're coming against him. The enemy's coming against him. Then, but then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered. I love this. Counsel from where and wisdom from where? Counsel and wisdom from God. That's how he did what? Look at that little word after. Answered. Pay attention how you answer. How do you answer your boss? How do you answer those people that, that don't like you? How do you answer your husband or wife? How do you answer? Because Daniel answered with counsel from God and with wisdom from God. Pay attention to how he's talking. Because this is all about the character as well. He answered with counsel and with wisdom. Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Look how he answers now and look what he's about to tell them. And he answered and said to Arioch, the captain, why is the decree that the king is so urgent? Why does he want to kill us so fast? What's the matter? What's the rush? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king, Look what Daniel asked. Give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Give me some time. He wasn't in a rush to try to make something up. He needed time. Why did he need time? Because he needed time to spend with God. Because he knew that he wasn't going to get the answer fast. You know, sometimes we don't want to ask the Lord for time. In fact, we want to ask Him now. Daniel's a different type of guy. <laughs> he said, can you give me some time? Have you ever asked the Lord, I want to spend some time. I want to wait. I'm going to need some time, King. Because I need to go seek the Lord, and it's going to require time. You want to hear from God? Daniel knew. Well, you know what's going to require it? If you want to hear from God, it's going to require time. The reason why we can't hear from God is because we don't want to put in the time. So Daniel said, look what he says. He, Give me some time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to the house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions. Think about what Daniel does. He goes home, and he tells his friend, hey, I bought us a little bit of time. But what does he tell his friends to do now in this next verse? That they may seek mercies from God of heaven. We have a little problem. They're going to kill us. But I bought us some time. But what are we going to do at that time? That they may seek mercies from the God of heaven. You know what God wants you to do with your time? That they may seek mercies from the God of heaven. What does God want me to do with this extra time? That they may seek mercies from the God of heaven. What does God want me to do with my day off? That they may seek mercies from the God of heaven. You want the answers? Go seek mercies from the God of heaven. When we pray, God responds. In difficult situations, God responds. He changes those. Unexpected miracles happen when we pray. You know, God has left uncertain doors open that cannot be opened those specific doors without prayer. That's what opens those doors. And God has specifically left those doors. He said, I'm not going to open those doors without prayer. That's exactly why we need to go into prayer. And it says here, concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon, they went to seek for the Lord. And the secret was revealed to Daniel. 
in a night vision after they were praying. I love this. Because he went to seek the mercies from the God of heaven. You want to see the Lord move? We need time to seek mercies from the God of heaven. And you see that God gave him now the interpretation. So Daniel, what did Daniel do? You think Daniel rushed to tell the king right away? No, Daniel said, I'm a boss. God is so good. I know the dream and I know the interpretation. Maybe you're waiting for an answer right now. And you're saying, Lord, I just want confirmation. Lord, I just want the answer to this. Lord, I, 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 this is heavy upon my heart. Seek the mercies from the God of heaven. And, and when he gives you the answer, you don't have to go and tell everybody you got the answer. <laughs> you know what he does first? He pauses. He pauses. He goes from, from prayer into praise. I love this. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to go and, and try to say, I have the answer right away. Look at what he says. So Daniel blessed God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, he's answering God. And he goes into this song from verse 20 all the, all the way to verse 23. We see gratitude. We see that the word, the, look at the, the, the lyrics of the song of Daniel. He goes from prayer to praise. Look at the lyrics. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are His. <laughs> look how he starts this. I love it. He, all the attention of his worship is on God. Today, most of the songs that people are writing, it's about them more than it's about God. That's not even worship. That's more worship of self. Daniel, everything, the attention was on God. Look what it says. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are His. Verse 21. For He changes the times and the seasons. He moves kings and raises up kings. He has the authority. He has the control. It's all God-centered worship here. Verse 19 and 20. Let's go to 21. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with Him. Can you go around every pronoun in these next three verses? Can you underline and circle them? He does this. Him. He removes. He changes. For wisdom and might are His. You see what He's doing here? All the attention is on the Lord. If you were to write your prayer down, how would it look? How many times would it say he, him, you? Or would it say I, me, please, now? <laughs> it's all about the Lord here. He gives wisdom. He gives authority. He, gives, he has control. He ends in with verse 23, I think. He ends with gratitude. I thank you and praise you, O God of my Father. You have given me wisdom and might. And now have made known to me what you have asked of you. You've made known to me what we have asked of you. You have made known to me what we have asked of you. You want, to, you want it to be made known to you? Ask of them. For you have made known to us the king's demand. God now gives him now the answer. God gives him what? You know what God gives you here in prayer? God in prayer gives you not only vision. God in prayer also gives you revelation. This is amazing. He reveals to you. In prayer, vision is born, but also in prayer, God gives you revelation. We know what revelation is? Understanding. Understanding. Revelation. You want revelation? Go to prayer. Go to prayer for revelation. Now from verse 24 to 30, look what happens here. Therefore Daniel went to Ariak, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. He said, tell me. I, I, know, I know what the, the dream is about. And Eric quickly brought Daniel before the king, and thus 
to him, I have found a man, captives of Judah, who will make known the king, to the king the interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Now he's asked him, are you really able to give me the meaning? But Daniel in his presence, verse 27 of the king said, The secret which the king has demanded of the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot uh, declare to the king. They can't do it. But there is a God in heaven. That's amazing. They can't do it, but there is a God in heaven. What is he doing here? Daniel has the, the, the revelation. Guess what he does? The second decision he makes is give God the glory. He already worshiped God. He already thanked God. But here in verse 27, he's giving God all the glory. It's not me. Daniel said, it's not me. It's God. There is a God in heaven who reveals, who gives revelation, who gives understanding of secrets. And he has been known to King Nebuchadnezzar. What will uh, be in the latter days, your dream and the visions of your head upon their bed were these. And in verse 28, he, he makes known to him and he tells them now exactly what will happen in the future of his reign. He's going to tell him all of that. And after he tells him all of that, let's go to verse 46. Because now we see here in verse 46 what happens when Daniel here is giving all the glory to the Lord. He said, it's not me, there is a God in heaven. But verse 46 says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. Now today we're falling prostrate before the world. That's, you know what the, that's called? Idolatry. The king here falls prostrate before Daniel. And it says, And commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. And the king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Are people at your work saying that? Are they saying that? You, they, they see what God is doing in your life? Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings because He's revealed this to you. They see the way you work. They see your ministry ethic. They see your work ethic. They see your courage, your character, your convictions. Truly your God is the God of God and the Lord of kings because this is the way you've lived your life. Is anyone saying that about you? About your God? What are they saying about your God? Truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. And they're bringing honor to his name. Daniel brought honor to the name of God. And look what happens. Because Daniel promoted God, God then promoted Daniel. <laughs> Sometimes we want the Lord to promote us. Lord, promote me so that I can promote you. Wait, what? That sounds twisted. God says, no, you have it twisted. You promote me and then I'll promote you. You see how Daniel promoted God? Now God's about to promote Daniel because he trusts him in giving him the glory. Look at what happens here. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, the chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon. Look, he gave him gifts. He promoted him over all now. The, the astrologers and, and, and soothsayers and magicians over everyone, he promoted them. And Daniel petitioned. Look at Daniel's character in verse 49. He petitioned the king that he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. You know what Daniel does? I love this about Daniel. You know what he requested? He got promoted, but a true leader, what does he do with his promotion? He uses his promotion to also promote other people. 
it was never about Daniel being the superstar. Daniel didn't forget his friends that were praying for him. Why did he want to involve his friends? Because those are the very same friends that fasted with him. Those are the very same friends that prayed with him. Those are the very same friends that were going to serve with him. You know, those people that are going to serve with you in difficult situations are those that pray with you, fast with you, they'll serve with you as well. A lot of people want to serve with you. They want to be there with the king. Oh man, it's time to get promoted. <laughs> Daniel, choose me. Where were you when we needed to fast? Where were you when we needed to pray? Those very same men were the men that were praying and fasting to begin with. Guess what they, where they ended up? They ended up serving at the king's palace. Because those were the men that here were supporting Daniel through it all. And they also had a heart. A pure heart is important. I'll tell you, a pure heart is better than a powerful throne. Nebuchadnezzar had a powerful throne. But he could not understand this vision and dream. A pure heart is better than a powerful throne. You'd rather have a pure heart? You'd rather go for purity or for power today? Where would you rather go? You want power or do you want purity? Which one do you want? Let's go to chapter 6 as we end and we conclude as we see now the third decision that Daniel is about to make. First he makes a decision not to defile himself. Then he makes a decision to, to fully give God the glory. And three, he makes a decision to commit his life to prayer. Now he is the advisor. He's gotten promoted. He is over everything now in all the palace. But, but however, this is the third king that Daniel has outlived. Now it's King Darius. And as he's now in, in a place of now prominence, Daniel, it tells us that other people were not happy. See, the unbelievers do not want the Christians to be in charge no matter what. Even if they're good and gifted and effective in what they do, they will just not like you because you're a believer. It might be, he might be affected, he might, that person, he or she might be doing a good job. However, they're a believer, so we don't want them there. That's exactly what happened to Daniel. He, he was so good, except they didn't like him because he was, had his faith in the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 1, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps over the whole kingdom. And these three governors, of whom Daniel was one of the satraps, might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. He was one that was a steward. Then the king, then Daniel, I'm sorry, and then this Daniel distinguished himself. If you have a job at home, whatever, are you distinguishing yourself? Are you at the bottom of the totem pole? That's not who Daniel was. Yeah, it's just work. It's, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not Christian, my company, you know. <laughs> no. He distinguished himself. Amazing work ethic Daniel had. I'm going to be at the top. There's nobody going to be as good as me when we come to work. Because I represent God. Before I work for them, I am on God's payroll. <laughs> right? He's distinguishing myself. He distinguished himself above the governors, the satraps, because he had an excellent spirit. Do you, man, this is amazing. This is what we talk about as service. You're going to come here not to serve. You're going to come here to be excellent. Daniel had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent work ethic here, it tells us. Here it was in him, and the king gave him uh, here gave thought to sending him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought for some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge and no fault. Now his friends there, they wanted to say, you know what, let's find a charge against Daniel, but they couldn't find anything. They could not find nothing because he was blameless. Because he was faithful, number one. Because there was no error, number two. Or fault found in him. The New Living Translation tells us three things about Daniel here in verse 4. You know why they could not find anything? Because number one, he was faithful. He was always responsible. 
And number three, he was completely trustworthy. He was faithful. He was always responsible. And number three, he was trustworthy. Does your employer say that about you? We can't say anything about this person because he's faithful. He's always responsible. He's completely trustworthy. Guess what? It frustrates people that you're that good sometimes. They can't believe it. They're looking for some way to get upset at you, but you show up on time every day. Man, we're just waiting for him to show up late. We're waiting for him to blow it. But you know what? He has an excellent spirit. He comes to work every single day. She comes to work every single day. And, and she's always responsible. She's completely trustworthy. She's always faithful. There's nothing that we can say. You see how, you see here how, that, how, how powerful your testimony is outside of the four walls of the church? This was Daniel. They could not say anything about him. Now verse 5, Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we fight, unless we fight. Find it against him concerning the law of his God. We're not going to find anything unless we find something against his faith. So the governors and the satraps thronged before the king and said, Thus said a king Darius, live forever. They go to the king and they now make a, a rule that nobody can worship for the next 30 days, anyone except the king. And they go, oh king, you are so great king. Let's make now a rule and sign it by the, the rules of the Medes and the Persians, right? Uh, uh, that, that says that you cannot change this law, that in the next 30 days, uh, no one can be able to worship any other god except you. And the king said, of course, you're going to stroke my ego. Let's sign that rule right now. People are going to worship me for the next 30 days and worship no one else. Sign me up. Let's sign it up now. But this was just a conspiracy to come against Daniel. Let's go to verse 10 now because we see that Daniel now, after he finds out, look what he does. He's not allowed to worship anyone except the king for the next 30 days. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when he found out that the writing was signed, that he could not worship anyone else, what did he do? He committed himself still to prayer. Whether that's signed or whether that's not signed, I'm still going to pray. Whether you like it or you don't like it, I'm still going to pray. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're not going to pray because it's far. <laughs> because we're too tired. Daniel, he said, and, and you know what, the, what happens if they were going to break this law? They're going to be thrown where? Into the lion's den. Right? Sometimes you're going to be thrown into the lion's den because of your faith. God didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. Because God used Daniel in there to demonstrate how strong he was. It wasn't about Daniel in the lion's den. It was about God being there in the lion's den with Daniel. Maybe you find yourself in the lion's den today. God is also in the lion's den with you. Look what it says. Daniel knew that this writing was signed. He went home to his upper room, to his prayer room, with the windows open. He didn't close the windows all hiding under his bed trying to pray, sneaking a prayer in his closet. He, let's open the windows, beautiful windows. <laughs> Looking towards Jerusalem, and he knelt down. This is beautiful. He didn't change a thing. He didn't change a thing. <laughs> Just like Peter, Jesus, Stephen, Paul all prayed, knelt down. He knelt down to pray because kneeling is a begging posture. And we must all come to God as beggars right here. And look what it says. On his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before God, as was his custom since his early days. He didn't change. He kept doing the thing. He was committed to prayer. He didn't hesitate praying. Three times a day, he got on his knees. Some of us don't even get on our knees one time a week. He got on his knees three times a day as it was custom in his early days. Why? Because he had discipline. 
Because he knew what things to say no to, and he knew what things to say yes to. He knew what things to say no to, and he knew what things to say yes to. And it said, Then the men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his king. Look what happens here when they, they find out that he's making supplication before his king. They're going to go straight up and tell now the king. You know what the, the enemy wants to do? The first thing the enemy is going to come after, uh, and I want you to remember, if you don't just know, remember anything, remember this of tonight. The enemy is going to come after one thing in your life. And the first thing the enemy, just like he came after Daniel, the first thing the enemy is going to come after your life is to take away your prayer life. Because if he, he took away your prayer life, then he's taken everything away from you. How does your prayer life look today? You know what they said? They went to Daniel and they said, let's take away his prayer life. Because you know, we know how committed he is to prayer three times a day. Let's take away his, the enemy wants to take away your prayer life. Because if he takes away your prayer life, he has taken away everything. Because that's where you have communion with God. God wants you to spend time in prayer. The enemy will come and say, you know what, you don't have time to pray. Don't pray, worship me instead. Daniel said, no way. I'm going to go home. I'm going to open those windows. I'm going to look toward Jerusalem, where is the temple of God, the presence of God. And I'm going to get on my knees three times a day. And I'm going to pray to God. Are those convictions? Are those convictions or what are they? Because that's convictions. And if you compromise in prayer, you will also compromise in character. If you compromise in prayer, you will also compromise in character. Look what happens as, as we go down. Because it says that they throw now Daniel into the lion's den. In verse 15, the king, they approached the king. Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and Persian, the no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave command that they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of the lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, look what the king said, the king has, has faith in the God of Daniel. Your God who you serve continually will deliver you. The God who you serve and your loyalty will defend you out of this. And it says here, Then the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. They put a stone on the mouth of the den so he could not come out. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signets of his lord, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Then the king went to the palace and spent the night fasting with no musicians were brought before him and also sleep went away from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of the lions. And he came to the den, and he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? <laughs> you think about how he's, you think about how he's, this king is just, you think about his faith and trust in the Lord as well. After like about 12 hours had gone by, he goes, he removes the stone. He said, Daniel, has your king been able to deliver you from the lions? He has some type of hope. He has some type of hope that Daniel's still alive. <laughs> How many of us would have gone and checked on Daniel? Daniel would have probably been there for days if it was for us. <laughs> Just waiting for someone to move that rock. You see, it's so interesting because the enemy tries to put a stone on the mouth of the den. And tries to cover now the mouth of the den for us to not come out. But Jesus and the Lord says, I'm going to go and cover the mouth of the lions. You see how the Lord is always with you? You might think the den is covered. You say, why are you 
Why are you freaking out that you're in the lion's den? You might look at the mouth of the den and it's covered, but I'm here with you and I've already covered and I've shut the mouth of the lions. What does it matter that you're in the den if the mouth of the lions are shut? Maybe you're asking yourself right now, I'm in the lion's den and the Lord's saying, I've shut the mouth of the lion. Don't worry. I've shut the mouth of the lion. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth <laughs> so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent. Why? Before him and also the king, I have done no wrong before you. He was innocent. Now the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Why? Because he believed in his God. Convictions. Believed. Faith in his God. See, it's so awesome here because in Hebrews 11.33, it talks about the hall of faith. Faith. Daniel's mentioned, not even his name, but what he did. It says in Hebrews 11.33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, work righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth of lions. How many of you guys are here are ready to see the Lord stop the mouth of lions? What had to happen? Because he believed in him. Because he believed in him, for he trusted in his God. He believed in him, he trusted in his God. To end, Hebrews 6.11. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to him, come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He delivered him because he believed in him. Do you believe that he can deliver you? Deliverance comes right after you, you believe that He can deliver you. But today we have, one must make three decisions. Number one, we're going to make the decision not to defile ourselves. We're going to make the decision to give God the glory. And we're going to make a decision to commit our life to prayer. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. It's so living and powerful. We pray, God, that You would just, it, would, it just stands on its own always. It doesn't need to stand on anything else. It stands on its own. I pray, Lord, that Lord, you would let us stand with courage, character, and convictions. That we would not shy away from the enemy's attacks, Lord. And maybe right now somebody has to purpose in